In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today in the scripture reading, we read the passage from Luke chapter 9, where we speak about the feeding of the multitude, where Christ fed uh, 5,000 men uh, in a miraculous uh, you know, multiplication of the, of the five loaves and the two fish that were given to him by a young boy. And we read in verse 17, it says, So they all ate and were filled. And we can maybe contemplate about this idea of them eating and being filled by the Lord. And that actually in this entire passage, we read actually that Christ filled and gave the needs to everyone who came to him in a very uh, selfless way. Sometimes we find ourselves in situations where we are tired or busy or or are doing something and when people come to us and they try to interrupt us or they they ask things from us maybe when it's not the best time we find difficulty to give to them we find difficulty giving our time or attention or, or or our energy to different people especially when they come to us during a time where I already feel strained or drained but we see here in this passage that Christ gave to every single person in, in so many different ways, not just the physical food that he gave to them, but he gave them so much more. So we're going to go through some of the verses here in this passage and speak about how is it that Christ fulfilled the needs of the people, not just in, in their hunger, but fulfilled the needs of the people in every possible way. The first thing he did in verse 10 is that he listened to his disciples. So his disciples had just returned from this evangelism mission that he had sent them on. And it says in verse 10, and the apostles, when they had returned, told him all that they had done. You know, he, they had just returned and they were very excited and wanted to share all of their stories and experiences about what it is it that they had experienced. And Christ actually, he already knew all these stories. He already knew everything that happened. To them when he when they were on this journey on this missionary journey and yet when they came back he made the time to listen to each one of them to listen to their stories to listen to what is it that happened to them and to make them feel like they were accepted and showing them the care that they needed and sometimes maybe when our children come to us and are telling us about something that's pretty trivial that we look at it and we say, well, what is the big deal with this? We already know what is it that they're going to tell us because maybe the thing they're telling us is so simple about something they did with their toys and what did they build and so on. And yet it is important for us in order to give them this amount of time that they need to make them feel like we care about them and that we're interested in what is it that they are doing. This here is the, is the bottom line is that Christ, he was interested in them as people. He was interested in them, them as his disciples. It wasn't just about what is it that they do, but he wanted to show them each one individually care and love. And so he listened to them. And this is the first way that Christ fulfilled the needs of the people here in this story is he showed them this. He gave them this time, even though he maybe was busy. Maybe he was thinking about other things. This this clearly was not something necessary that he absolutely had to do because again he already knew what is it that happened but he invested the time in his disciples because it was important for them. Also he gave his disciples private time. It says uh, also in verse 10 then he took them and went aside privately into a deserted place belonging to the city called Bethsaida. Sometimes, again, there are people around us that want our attention. Again, maybe our children or maybe somebody else that wants our attention. And we are good at multitasking because we feel like, you know, the more we do at the same time, the more we can get done and, and, and we'll get done with everything that we need to do faster. So sometimes it's easy for us to say, you know what, just tell me what it is you want to tell me while I'm cooking and while I'm cleaning and while I'm working on the computer and while I'm on my phone and while I'm doing everything because this is faster. It's easier for me. Just tell me while I'm on the go. 
But here he said Christ did what? He took them to a private place. He took them to a place where there would be nobody else seeking his attention, where there would be nobody else asking him questions, when he wasn't going to give sermons to anyone at the same time, when he wasn't doing anything else. He gave them this exclusive one-on-one time and his undivided attention to them. And again, this made the disciples feel like they were very special. It made them feel like they were loved by their master. So not only did he listen to them, but he listened to them in a way where he didn't do anything else but listen to them. And, and this was a very important for them, for the, the discipleship that they had with Christ. And maybe also we can think to ourselves as who are the people in our lives that need that private time with us, that want to be there and we're giving them this undivided attention, not distracted by anything else. And this is true of all of our relationships. You know, like I'm sure we all have this experience where maybe we go to a restaurant and we see like the table next to us or maybe our own table where every single person on the table is on their cell phone. Like nobody is talking to each other. Nobody's spending time together. Maybe we are physically in the same place, but we are mentally not in the same place. We are, we are, we are somewhere else. We're thinking about something else. We're accessing information somewhere else. We're talking to somebody else. And so any one of us who's had the experience when we're trying to have a conversation with someone who was on their phone texting knows the frustration of what it's like trying to have a conversation and make a connection with someone who is really not there at all. Here, Christ, even though he had thousands and tens of, tens of thousands of people that were seeking him, that wanted things from him, and maybe the things that those other people wanted, you could say are very important. I mean, there are people that wanted to be healed from diseases. There are people that had demons that needed to be cast out. There are people that had all these different things that they really, really needed Christ, that Christ was the only one that could heal them and to deal with their situations. And yet here, Christ, he made this private time with his disciples just so that his disciples can tell him what he already knew. This really shows us how much Christ cared and how much he showed love and attention to the people around him. In addition to this, we read about in verse 11, when the multitudes began to come to him. It says, but when the multitudes knew it, when they found out where he was, they followed him and he received them. So now you have the reverse. Now you have maybe Christ is in this having this private meeting with his disciples. But, you know, during this time, all of these people that find out where it is that he is, they come to him and they come with a sense of need. They come because they want him and they want to see him and, and maybe they're hungry and they want Christ to feed them. So here we see the reverse happening. Even though Christ, maybe he now he has this, uh, he's having this private meeting. He has this private time where he is doing something and he has all these interruptions that are coming to take from his time saying, you know, we need you immediately. We need you right now. And instead of treating these people as a nuisance or asking them to leave, he begins to say, well, how is it that we can fulfill the needs of these people? He received them with love, even though they were uninvited, even though maybe this isn't what he had chosen to do in that moment. And yet he saw their need and he didn't want to just give care and attention to the disciples, but he wanted to give care and attention to those people as well. And this is really what God is doing to all of us. We have billions of human beings on the planet and God is catering to the needs of every single person and giving each one of us what it is that we need at the time that we need it. And he is not sacrificing his time for one to give to the other. He can give attention to all. He can serve all. He can give to each of us without kind of uh, sacrificing one to give to the other. He didn't try to escape. He didn't try to hide himself. 
you know, sometimes like when we, a lot of people are seeking after us and wanting something from us, we try to kind of just kind of lay low. We try to sneak out the back door. We don't want people to know where we are because we don't, we don't feel like I'm in the mood right now to deal with all these people and all of their needs and whatever it is that they want. But here Christ didn't do this. He made himself to be known and everyone came to him and he did not send them away. And then the first thing that he did whenever he received them is he didn't give them maybe what they were looking for at the beginning. He's, it says what in, in also in verse 11, and spoke to them about the kingdom of God. This was the first thing that he did. He spoke to them about the kingdom of God. This is probably or maybe not necessarily what it is that they were looking for what they had come to him to listen to. Maybe they wanted something else from him. But here he used this as an opportunity to teach them about what was more important than the physical needs was their own spiritual needs. Again, they didn't ask for this, but he understood their actual need, their true need. And this is something that, that God always does, is he sees through our requests, he sees through the exterior, and he looks at the heart and the core of what is it that you actually need? What is it that is actually your problem? Because sometimes we go through our life believing that we know what our problem is, believing that if a certain thing in our life is solved, if a certain problem is solved, then everything in our life will be great. You know, if I have like, let's say a financial problem, and I wish that my finances were better. And some people might go through their entire life always feeling like their financial situation, they wish that it were better, and they compare themselves to other people. And they say to themselves, well, if only my financial situation was better, then everything in my life would be great. Or maybe someone has a health issue in some aspect and they say, you know what, if this thing was better, then everything in my life would be great. And each of us maybe has a few things, one or more things in our life that we kind of carry around with us, like this thorn in our side, that we say, if this thing were removed from me, then everything in my life would be great. And yet when we come to God, instead of giving us the healing that we're asking for from this, he begins to tell us the word of God. And we're like, this isn't what I'm looking for. I'm not looking for the word of God. I'm not looking to tell me about spirituality and praying and fasting and all this. I want a solution. I want a solution to my problem. Oftentimes, the thing that we think is going to solve our problem is really not. Oftentimes, the problem we have is far deeper than that exterior, what we think is the, really the true problem. Maybe I have a problem with not being content, where even if my problem is solved, I'll find some other problem to begin to complain about or to start to be afraid of or to be angry about. Maybe there's something deeper, a deeper issue that's inside of me that God is actually wanting to heal rather than this external problem that I see with my eyes. God is the one who pierces the heart. He knows what is in each man's heart. He knows what is our experience. He knows how we feel and he knows what we really need. And here, the first thing that he gave to the people was this spiritual food. He told them, this is about the kingdom of God. This is what you need. This is going to last you forever. There, the day will come where your bodies will be in the grave and you won't have any financial problems. You won't have any health problems. You won't have any of the problems that maybe we spend so much time worrying about and thinking about. But the one thing that we need is the word of God. The one thing we need is a strong spiritual life that we are going to take with us into heaven. So here he's, he's reminding the people of what is the most important thing that maybe they didn't actually seek it, but God is giving it to them. And this is a wonderful thing that God is doing is he always gives us what we actually need. He doesn't just give us what we want. Sometimes he doesn't give us what we want, but he gives us what we need. He nourished them with the word of God. Then after he nourished them with the word of God, it says, and he and healed those who had need of healing. So those who were willing to stay, 
those who are willing to listen, those who are willing to, to, to kind of receive and to accept the word that he was giving to them, he healed them. He gave them the next step, which was the actual physical healing. And even if we don't have a physical disease, God gives us this spiritual healing. Like We have this encounter with Christ, and when we have an encounter with, with Christ, it sows within us His virtue. This is why prayer is so important. Prayer is not about, I'm going to go into my room and I'm going to say words, a lot of words, and those words are somehow going to be magical, and I'm going to change because of the words that I'm saying. Prayer is about being in the presence of God. That's why even a form of prayer is silence. Just simply be in your room in the presence of God doing nothing but focusing on God only and nothing else. This is a form of prayer. The more we are in the presence of God, the more we are changed, the more we are healed, the more God sows within us himself and sows his virtues in us. So after he gave them his word, he then took action because his, his power validates the word that he speaks. And we see the, the reason why Christ does miracles in the New Testament isn't just for the healing, isn't just for healing the person who is demon-possessed or healing the lame person. It's also to validate that everything he is saying is true. It's to validate that the word that he is saying is truly the word of God and not simply the words of a man. St. Paul, he did the same thing. He wanted to validate his apostleship to the people, not because he wanted to be puffed up and for people to treat him as this very great apostle, but because he wanted to show the people that his words are actually words of authority that are coming from God for the salvation of the people. So here God, Christ is telling the people, here is the word and I'm going to prove to you that this word is the word of authority because I am going to come and I'm going to heal you. Then in, um, in verse 13, when the apostles saw all the multitude of people and that they were hungry and that they did not have enough food to eat, they wanted to send the people away. Like, this is enough. You know, we've had our time. You know, people were here. You gave them a sermon. Uh, you healed them. Like, we've had a good evening, you know, and now it's time for everybody to go, you know. And I'm sure we've all had that feeling where maybe we've had house guests that overstayed their welcome and we were really feeling inside us. Now it's time, I think, for everybody to go. And this is how the apostles felt, okay? This is enough, you know, we thank you for coming. And, you know, these are thousands of people here. This is not just a few people. And they wanted to get back to what they were doing or they wanted to rest. And so they told Christ, you know, all these people are hungry. Send them away so they could go eat, right? But Christ, again, his response is kind of startling. He says, you give them something to eat. So on the one hand, this is essentially saying to the apostles, no, I don't want them to leave. I want them to stay. I want to give them more. You know, maybe giving them the word of God, even healing them, this isn't enough. I want to give them even more because when they came, their main issue was what? Their main issue was that they were hungry. You know, so I want to also give them food. I want to give them food. And, and so you, you give them to eat. So here on the one hand, Christ is demonstrating his love to the people by not sending them away, even though from a logical perspective, maybe that is completely made sense more than anything else because they didn't have the food to feed them. And on the second hand, he was saying to the apostles, I want you to participate in this miracle. I want you to participate in what's about to happen. I want you to see with your eyes that we can give more than you think. And this is really what this whole passage is about. It's about Christ giving. 
giving of himself, giving of his time, giving of his power, giving of his word, giving even physical food, giving and fulfilling the needs of everyone he meets in every possible way. Not just in one way or two ways, but in every way to fulfill the entire human being and to fulfill not only one person or one group, but everybody indiscriminately without even knowing you know, who these people are, not just his close disciples, but everybody else around him as well. So he told them what you give them to something to eat. And he used this as a way to show the apostles that they also should be doing the same as him. They should also be doing, they should also be caring in the way that he is caring. Don't just say to yourself, well, we don't have the resources, so well, we're not even going to try. God is the one who is going to work through the resources. God is the one who will multiply the resources. You know, if you look at the mission of the church in the New Testament, when after Christ's resurrection, there was a handful of Christians in the world, just a handful of Christians, okay? You know, maybe a couple hundred Christians or a few hundred Christians. These Christians were then asked to go and to preach into the entire world and convert the entire world to Christianity. You know, if, if this was us, you know, let's say the number of people at St. Paul, all the congregation together, let's say it was the same as the number of Christians that existed back then. And Christ came to us and says, you as a single church, I want you to go and convert the entire world to Christianity. This is your mission. Go and do it. I'm not really sure what our response would be. Would we say yes, and we're going to start working and start doing it and start believing that God is going to work and this is going to actually happen? Or we'd be like, well, I'm not even going to try that. Like that doesn't even that doesn't even make any sense. How is it that we could possibly do that? I mean, we get so happy maybe when one person comes to the church. You know, and you're asking me that you were going to convert the entire world to Christianity. Well, this is what Christ was telling the apostles to do. He was saying, do what is impossible. He's saying, do what you cannot do, but only I can do through you. But you have to do your part. Don't just say, you know what, I, I can't do it. Like, like what you're asking is impossible. What you're asking me to do can't be done. Here he was teaching the disciples that, yes, it can be done. And whenever God is present, we can't calculate things the way that we would without God. The way we calculate things from a human perspective, we can't apply those calculations to when God is present with us in our service. So we need to always rem remember this, not only for evangelism, but for everything that we do. Let's say you have like a, a married couple, for instance, that has marital problems, and maybe both of those people feel like there is no solution, there is no hope, there is no way that our conflicts can be solved. We're just very different people. With God in the midst, everything can change. With God in the midst, it can be solved. But we have to realize that God is the one who is the solution and not us. It's, it's not just, I'm going to try harder. It's like, yes, I might try harder, but I try harder with God. I try harder in bringing God into the problem. I try harder in my prayers. I try harder in my fasting. I try harder in, in the sacraments. I try harder in, in bringing God closer to me, closer to the problem, so that the problem can be solved because God is the one that multiplies the resources. It is not us. So this was an important lesson that Christ taught the disciples. Also, he gave them the physical food. So after all of this, he gave them the physical food in verse 16. It says, Then he took the five loaves and the two fish, and looking up to heaven, he blessed and broke them. So in the end, he, he didn't send the people away. He healed their diseases. He spoke to them about the kingdom of heaven. And then also he gave them the food. And look, we see here how he took the, the, the five loaves and the two fish that were offered to him by a simple boy. And it's very telling that the person who offered this five loaves and two fish was a child. 
Because the child would be the only one who could think to himself, well, maybe this would help. Maybe five loaves and two fish would help. Maybe, maybe this is, could do something. Maybe we as adults, we wouldn't think like this. We wouldn't even bother. Like, like you know, if we had like a sandwich from Chick-fil-A and, and, and we came to a church outing, like a church picnic, and, and that was the only food that was there. Like the fellowship committee forgot to get any catering. And the only thing is, is we had one child who had a sandwich. Would you, if you had that sandwich, would you say, well, I have this sandwich. You know, this is a sandwich that so maybe, maybe it could help to feed the people. Like none of us would even think that that would be something, like it would be ridiculous to say that, right? And maybe the apostles themselves in this situation, none of them would even have, have said that. If, the, if one of the apostles had the five loaves and the two fish, they wouldn't have come to Christ and said, well, we have the five loaves and the two fish. Well, what do you think? No, because they wanted to send the people away. They acknowledged that there was no way that they could feed the people. But this young child with his innocent faith and complete innocence said, well, maybe this amount will help. I, this is what I can offer. And Christ took this offering. Notice here Christ didn't create food from nothing. You know, he didn't create food from nothing. He took what somebody offered and he multiplied it to make it grow. And this is how God is, 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 is a worker with us. He says we are his fellow workers. He doesn't do the work on his own. He does the work in cooperation with us. So when he sees that we offer even the littlest thing, but we offer that in faith, then he can take that and make it to be this gigantic thing, to make it to move mountains when simply we offer this small thing. So this young child is the one, out of his simple faith, offered his lunch and said, here, take this food and this, you know, maybe it will help. And Christ took this and he multiplied it for everyone to see that this miracle happened from the small offering that was given to him by this young child. And he's asking us what to be like. We spoke about a couple weeks ago about how we should be like children. This is in a way we should be like children, that we are offering what we have to God and believing that God can use it and can multiply it. So again, if Christ were to come to us and ask us to evangelize to the whole world and convert the whole world to Christianity, our answer should be, okay. Maybe I don't know how that's going to happen, but we'll try, we'll start, we'll do something, and we will see how God will work. <coughs> the last point is that he allowed the apostles to participate. And he says, and gave them to the disciples. This is about the baskets and the, uh, uh, well, not just the, uh, the food. He gave the baskets of food to the disciples. Uh, and then the disciples also were the ones to pick up the remaining baskets that were left over and gave them to the disciples to set before the multitude. Christ did this miracle, again, for the sake of the people because he wanted to give them the food, right? And he wanted to serve them. He wanted them to see the love of God. But he also wanted the apostles to be able to see this miracle happening because this was a lesson for them. Everything that was done with the, between Christ and the apostles while Christ was alive was a, was a lesson. He was training them. This was like a training period. The three years that they were living with him was a training period because he wasn't going to be there anymore after this to tell them what to do. What would happen if the apostles were there without Christ? Would they be able to feed the multitude? You know, Christ told the apostles that they would be able to do greater things than even he did. Greater things than he did. The apostles had to believe this because what they were called to do is to establish the church in the entire world. And we see in the book of Acts how their mentality and their attitude completely changed. That they were the ones that were bold and they were going out and they were the ones that were, you know, doing miracles and healing the sick and casting out demons and like all these things that they did because they had been trained by Christ. And this was one of the ways that Christ trained them. 
He had them to start out in complete doubt. And they, and they said, there is no way that we can feed these people. Just send them away. And Christ said, no, you're going to see how is it that we can feed them and how we can be a source of blessing to them. So Christ, again, allowed them to participate. He could have done this miracle on his own. He, could, he didn't have to allow the disciples to participate. If he was going to create all this food, he or could already have created them in front of the people, given each one food in their pocket, does whatever he wanted to do. But instead, he did it in a way so that the disciples had to actually touch and see the fish and the loaves for, him to re for them to realize that this is real. This is real food. They saw what they started with and they saw what they ended with. And now they had so much food that there was food even left over that the people didn't eat. So... God also wants us to see his blessings. God wants us to participate in his work. And, and in order for us to participate in his work, we have to have faith and believe that God does this even today, that God multiplies the resources, that God is able to serve the people through us even when we feel like we have no idea how is it that we will serve them ourselves. So today we spoke about the, the miracle of the feeding of the multitude and we spoke about how Christ fulfilled the needs of everyone. He fulfilled the needs of the people. He fulfilled the needs of the disciples. He listened to the disciples when they came back from their mission. He gave the disciples private time so that they would be able to speak with him and he would give them undivided attention. He received the uninvited multitudes, the people that came to him without being invited because they wanted from him to receive something. He gave them the word of God he healed them of their diseases. He prevented the apostles from sending the people away so that they could learn something. He gave them the physical food in the form of bread and fish. And he allowed the apostles to participate in the ministry to teach them how also that it is their job to fulfill the needs of the people. So we ask God also today in the 21st century because we are the church just as the apostles were the, the, the first church at the very beginning. That just as the apostles were called by Christ to fulfill the needs of the people both among themselves inside and also outside to bring the word of God to everyone. We ask God that he also would grant us to be able to participate in the service, to bring the, God, the word of God to the world and that he would enable us and that with faith we would believe that he can multiply the loaves and the fish and that we can spread it to the world and reap baskets of leftover food. And glory be to God forever. Amen.